Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Going to be doing something a little different with this one, as this episode will center exclusively, or at least I'll try, uh, around the Dodgeball Tribune's first annual tournament that took place this past weekend on February 3rd. Here with me now is Tyler Greer, founder of the Dodgeball Tribune and host of the tournament that hopefully all of you have recovered from at this point. Uh, Tyler, thanks for hopping on, and uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Why host a tournament through the Tribune? Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me. Um, For me, I've been wanting, uh, for a while, I've been wanting open tournaments of different styles of dodgeballs besides 8.5, typically. Um, So, you know, not taking anything away from Elite, but they, as far as the open no-sting, you know, 6 for 6 and foam, it's not really on their radar yet. You know, they just have other focuses. So for me, I just really, I've been wanting, you know, 6 for 6 for no sting and six for six for foam. And this is the perfect chance, uh, given my new platform of the Dodgeball Tribune, um, it's a perfect chance to do it. Gotcha. So. so this was kind of like a, a chance for, for foam and sting players or no sting players to, to hop on board and, and get competitive, so to yeah, speak? Yeah, kind or? of. Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, for sure. I mean, that was my focus this tournament. Um, but to be honest, it really was also, you know, there's only so much elite elite can do, and um, that's really where players like me, players um, who are able to, you know, for some reason or another, gain a platform like I have with the Tribune. Um, you know, it's up to us to kind of step up if if we want to see certain tournaments. You know, because we just can't keep on relying on elite to do everything. There's, you know, five people, six people running it, and it's just too much on their plate to continue to do more and more. And that's where, you know, people like me, people like Kelly Salomon have stepped up. And, uh, this is just the first of many tournaments to come for the Tribune for, at least for me. So nice. So when you say platform, you're kind of saying that this wouldn't necessarily be exclusive to LA. It could be anywhere. Yeah, it can be. But also with the platform, I kind of just mean, um, you know, once I started the Tribune, I was really able to kind of use that as to be, oh, and now I can throw a a dodgeball Tribune tournament as opposed to a Tyler Greer tournament. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) So it makes it a little bit more, sounds a little bit more professional, a little bit bit more legit, so to speak. Not so uh, egocentric, Rick. Yeah, welcome to (laughs) Tyler Greer's third annual tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Gotcha. So so who came out for this? Uh, Were were there a lot of like elite-based teams or, because I was looking at the finals and um, looks like there's a, like a smattering of people. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, my goal definitely was to get elite. um, And the cool thing was got um, three guys from Minnesota, from TC Boosh. That was Eric Stone, Cody Foley, and Derek Johnson. Um, also ended up getting Mike McGee out of, uh, Boston oh, wow. and nice. then also Sean Wheeler out of, I think it's Georgia area. And I know, uh, Matt Giovinco was thinking about coming a couple other people. Um, but I think those are the main people. I'm, I'm probably forgetting one or two people that traveled for it, but, uh, it was mainly LA. Um, you know, in the future, if I do, um, it'll be diff, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if I, branch out to other regions it's definitely kind of difficult for me um just because i have a kid and family and i only get so many tournaments to travel so gotcha. i have to pick and choose when and where 
Gotcha. So uh, of the people that, that came out, were there any like standout players? Um, aside from the norm, like okay, clearly Ketchum's going to be one of them, I'm sure, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Who, yeah, who I mean, out? definitely. Yeah, Ketchum, you know, he always stands out. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I felt like I saw, you could see that there were people who were more um, just they liked different styles better. They were better at them. I mean, specifically uh, in no sting. Um, I definitely saw actually some surprise people to me uh, just based off the competition where people like Tad DeLugo played really well. Um, Alan Stott and rise. He, he played really well and, you know, he's known for 8.5 and, and foam. Um, Casey Moses actually played really well. I think some people saw it in the live feed. Um, in the championship, he just played, you know, he had some really good big plays in the finals. Um, and then even a couple of the, the Tuda, so Tuda was probably one of the biggest standout teams. And uh, they added uh, Trey, Trevion McCain and Daniel Ariano. And uh, those guys, they were playing corners for Tuda, and uh, they just were playing really well. They played under control, which was different. Most of the people know those two from uh, Team Black in UDC. Okay. And, uh, and they played really well, um, both Foam and No Sting. And uh, they were a reason why, too, that, you know, finished. They got second in uh, No Sting, and they got fourth in uh, Foam. So that was a really good showing for two. The, uh, to me, definitely put them on the map for sure of, they're going to be a, a contender this year in the West for sure, no doubt. Nice. So they're coming off the trampolines onto good old. Yeah, I mean those two and... did. Those two did, and then they have um, Xander Simos, who he for sure stood out in foam. I mean, he st- he, st- he stood out in both no sting and foam, but he's probably the youngest stud in um, in the West. You know, so he'll be he'll be rivaling Mike McGee and Jeff Giovinco. And the uh, the Hashimoto's over in the south, as you know, the biggest up and coming young studs. I mean, I he's not. Even, I don't even know if he's twenty yet, wow. Sander. Um, and he he just he actually to me he just completely dominated a lot of it. There's even one GIF he just put out of him uh, doing like a backward slide catch on Nate uh, Kreider. And uh, you know, if you just go back and look at some of the film, there's going to be some film coming out. I'm sure. And he played phenomenally well. And you know what? So for Foam, the interesting thing about this, um, this is kind of like the first chance that Team USA or, you know, the scouts for Team USA could actually get a look at people from the West in a, an open 6 for 6 um, setting. And uh, so besides Xander, you know, doing really well, um, you know, those, those guys who came out from Minnesota, they play that. So people like Eric Stone and Cody Foley, they were – doing really well, um, showing that this is clearly their best game. Um, and then Isidro Perez, uh, he was also on Team USA. He played really well. Um, a couple other people I want to name, too. Uh, Brody. Brody Johnson, he was playing for Panch. And he's you know he's good in everything, but I didn't realize how good he was in foam. And he was, he was doing really well, extremely accurate uh, with his throws. Wow. And uh, and then Brett Baxter actually, um, my gosh, he was probably one of the best blockers I had seen. They 
could not get him out. I had to literally, their game, their finals game was taking so long that I had to, I just couldn't go any further. I kept on like extending the time because I'm like, I really don't want this to end in no blocking. And I kept on pushing it like five more minutes. And then even like Jake was like, all right, it's been like six minutes. I'm like, 60 more seconds. <laughs> it's and end. It, they, could, they could not get Brett. He just, he was unbelievable as far as blocking. They couldn't get him. And uh, it was finally once I had to go to no blocking that it finally got Brett. And that was oh. how Boosbreed won. And that was in the the second, you know, they had already, Panch had come from the loser's bracket and beat Boosh Breed one time. So that was, and that was game three too. So that was kind of a crusher. But I mean, he was a three on one. It was going to be a tall task for Brett, but it also didn't help that I took away blocking. Yeah, that's rough. You don't want to, you don't want to intervene or interfere with uh, the natural progression of a, yeah, of a you game. Yeah, but that's final. the whole thing with, that's the whole thing with WDBF mm-hmm. rules is you know some of the players uh people like Santi Granillo and a couple others who had played team USA and also Santi was the coach uh you know at, right at the beginning of foam after the first round he had come up to me like this is not how the rules work and i'm like dude this is this is a hybrid you know <laughs> we're not going to sit there and have a 4 day tournament like WDBF you know we're we're going to finish it today and <laughs> we're going to play you know however many round robin games we can fit in in our allotted time, and then we're going to do a double elimination, best of three. We're not doing, you know, the style that WDF, DBF does, uh, the World Dodgeball Federation. We're not going to, you know, like I said, it's going to be a hybrid, and so. Yeah, um, not to mention it's an independent thing, so you're not really beholden to any set of rules. Um, yeah. Not that you want to be inconsistent, but you just. Yeah, but they do, yeah, but they do play with, um, once the time ends, the game continues, but they play with no blocking, and that was... Something I just like, like you just mentioned, an independent tournament. I didn't want to do that, and especially in a one-day tournament. That's, yeah, gotcha. the tournament has to end. <laughs> yeah, I saw going back to Casey. Saw a controversial play. I guess it was a, another name that play or name. What's that called? Type thing Gosh. that I'm sure just. It's fun to do, but at the same time, I'm, I'm sure it just drives the refs crazy because you know, there's only so well, much yeah. you can catch. So like, I don't want to highlight that aspect i just saw casey um you know throw a ball catch one and then hit some other dude out and however it went out i'm not really concerned with that i just saw casey doing really well with foam so it's kind of cool to hear that he uh, had some good breakout plays um outside of yeah. you know being highlighted for controversial plays or what have you yeah i mean that was in that was in no sting um you know, he's still great in foam him hit some some awesome catches in foam yeah that was in no sting that was where he really uh, just surprised me Hmm. Uh, and even the game, oh, I, I actually recorded it on my GoPro. I, I recorded the only round robin game that they played against whom, which was basically Doom. Nice. Um, and uh, he had some just great counters, uh, you know, just kind of showing off how, how really smart he is. Um, you know, he just sees a lot of weaknesses, and people also don't give him credit necessarily. And he takes full advantage of that. So, um, but yeah, that one play, the controversial play, um, I think the refs got it right. I know there's a little feed or thread on that, but the refs got it right to basically reset it. It became a one one v one again, and uh, that was the right call. So, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I don't. <laughs> you're having Super Bowl 
level controversial place <laughs> and they have all the technology in the world to make the right call and to do all these things and I mean, refing, it's never going to be 100% perfect, and you, you want it to be. You, you don't want to cheat another team, let alone another player. But in the heat of the moment, you don't have that luxury of, like, replays and, and all this other stuff. So, you know, for what, yeah. are, for what it's worth, um, kudos to people for refing, just, just doing that period. Um, Seriously, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I just noticed that in that clip, though, Casey did some cool stuff. So, I was like, well, if that's any example or any... Um, so I'm trying to think of is that if that's just an example of how he did overall, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, good to see that he's still uh, on the ups and in, and improving. Did we talk about what teams uh, won each division? I don't know if we covered that yet. So yeah, so the the team that it was kind of a half and half. It was called Bruce Bush Breed, and that was you know like I said, half Minnesota guys, um, Eric Cody, Derek, and then. Um, and then uh, Team USA, so that was Dylan and Isidro, and then also they had Randy Hodge, who played Team Mexico. So that was basically a full WDBF team. I guess Derek technically hasn't uh, represented at any country yet, but he easily could have represented Team USA. Um, so that And that was the team that won foam. But Panch, uh, which was Ketchum's team, they finished second, and they were Brett, Brett was playing for them, um, Casey... Uh, other people, Mike McGee, Brody, uh, they were playing for Panch, and they gave Boosh Breed a, a run for their money for sure. Um, so, Bo- so Boosh finished. Boosh Breed finished first. Panch finished second, and then Whom, which was Nate and Vince's team, they finished third in foam. And then for um, for No Sting, uh, Panch won that, um, and that was also also Sean Wheeler was on that team too. And Ryan Morse was also on that team. And uh, they finished first to the finished second in no sting. And then my team, Rise, finished third in no sting. So that was actually a pretty good show- showing for us, um, considering uh, Rise is still a heavy 8.5 team. Did you play as well as run this? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was that was the key for me. I mean, if I'm going to throw a tournament, I definitely have to play in it. <laughs> uh, and that was, you know, actually, um, it was a... From last year to this year, Jake, I, I hired Jake Mason to do it. He's been doing elite. And he's just, every single tournament he gets better and he figures out different ways to uh, just make the tournament run smoother. I was just, I love Jake. And he just does an incredible job and figures out different ways to do it. And he's gotten better at it. So, um, yeah. He definitely uh, enhances every event. Yeah, he's figured out a way to like, you know, just typical being able to run the clock, um, especially for the foam aspect. You know, he he learned he figured out a way to do it for Sin City, and then he brought that expertise to my tournament, and uh, and allows him to kind of uh, figure other things out while while things are running. So he, it's just it's so it's such a peace of mind to have him running it, um, and now he's gonna really. St- He's going to need to start raising his prices because <laughs> he's going to be in demand <laughs> soon. Well, he he should be in demand already, but now he should be like, well, I run a really good tournament, so you should pay me more than <laughs> than I I've been earning. <laughs> so. Nice. Um, so was with with Jake there, um, and you mentioned that there was uh, some of the scouts for Team USA. Mm-hmm. Was uh was USA Dodgeball involved, and if they were, to what degree or what? Let's start with that quick question. Were they involved at all? So, 
I mean, technically, no. I would say they were not involved. It was, and you know, it was whole. It was all my idea to do this tournament, and it was um, it just convenience that it worked out with working with um, all of a sudden Team USA uniting. It literally, ha- I think, I announced my tournament in the beginning of December because I wanted to give it a couple months for people to be able to register and figure out teams and whatnot. And uh, during that time, between then and the tournament um, starting, so that in those two months, that was when Team USA finally announced that, or USA Dodgeball announced that we've united everything, including WDB, uh, including the WDBF portion, the USDO, that is no more. And um, so that was that was cool. But I'd already had the tournament planned, and so... The good thing was I already had Jake involved. I already had Mark involved um, with helping me get the the venue and everything. And then um, I'd already been talking to Costanza, who uh, definitely has an aspect of playing it. Um, not sure how that works, but don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and I already had said, "Hey, man, you got to you got to come and check out the foam and got to start scouting." So he was there videoing. A lot of people were videoing. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you had Mark. And then uh, uh, this week leading up to my tournament, they announced who the, the other scouts were. And so Kale Harrell, uh, who is going to be the West, uh, one of the, the West scout, basically, uh, he was obviously refing. I paid him to ref. Um, and he was the head ref in 2015 when, when we hosted the WDBF here. So uh, needless to say, yeah, we had three top top guys there just watching mark was also playing but um yeah it really worked out great and it's also worked out great for team usa i mean they really didn't have to do anything other than just be there and you know ideally that's what they would love to do is people do this on their own and then they get to kind of just come and watch and scout and show up yeah and not have to put it on themselves but you know i don't know how many people will be doing that but (laughs) it definitely helps Cool. Yeah, the reason why I asked was uh, I just wanted to see if we can get like a like a sample of what working with USA Dodgeball would be like. Um, but I think that's probably another conversation. And without going yeah. into any kind of segues, because I'm trying really hard not to do that already. There's like 15 things I wanted to like just dig into. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure, it's just cool that there's um, there's an all-encompassing organization now that's down to help out regardless. And um, it was it's cool kind of seeing that come together with Kelly's. Um, LA Classic, and then and with this one, and hopefully with others to come, um, you you put in some of these notes, uh, some things that you would like to change. Um, I guess those are just like lessons learned, or did you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I know that this one, um, I easily could have announced this as a men's only tournament, um, partly because besides the UDC, which technically is still open, there really is no men's only tournaments. So I easily could have done that, um, but I know that the next one I will throw will definitely have a men's and a women's division. I left this one open, um, and therefore, you know, we ended up having two, basically two full women's teams at this tournament, as well as a couple of co-ed teams, and um, and that was great to have. You know, I didn't want to exclude women, but at the same time, you know, I wanted it to be able to have, you know, open teams, um, open elite teams. So, um, yeah, you know, I had definitely some women, I got some strife for it for sure. I got some women saying, why can't you have a women's division or, 
you know, wh- why are you uh, excluding the women? Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of forgot that they get two tournaments all by themselves, and we don't, technically. So, But that's a different argument for a different day. <laughs> um, but a couple ideas I've had from doing it. Um, I definitely would think about changing the ball styles. Um, you know, even, you know, something that I've had discussions with um, certain people involved. I won't name names, but, um, you know, it'd be nice to sit there and eventually figure out a way to rival Ed Prentice and his stuff with WDA and get a say, legit Team USA team. Don't so. say it. Don't say Don't say cloth. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to have oh, a, no. I would <laughs> love to have cloth. It's fun. It, well, especially when you add in the five balls. Oh, it's actually pretty fun. I'd have to figure out a way to get those balls. So you don't have to worry about it too much because I looked online literally the other day and I think they're like 60 pounds for a, a set of six or a set of five. And so that would, you know, pounds are almost, I think, what, $2 still? Yeah. So you're talking $120 and that's not including shipping. So I don't think I'm willing to spend $120 or $150 for a set of five balls. <laughs> I think that's, that's quite a little, an investment, especially for something that's, that's $30 a ball. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. But, uh, for people that, or for a ball that people aren't really fond of either, that's kind of a tough sell. Yeah. But mm. see, I would love to just do something where I can sit there and, do a different style of ball and then one that we love. And and I definitely think I'm going to stick with, I, I almost could guarantee every tournament from here on out will at least have open no sting. I was literally um, something to, you know, there's all those people who argue about the pace of play and different things like that. And I actually, just as a little exercise today, I, I looked at all the times from our no sting from the last three games. So you're talking... Whoever you know, the first and second place game, the second and third place game, and the third and fourth place game. And I did that for the no sting division. I did that for the foam division, and I did that also for. I went all the way back to the eight point five nationals. I had that saved, and the average of play for the no sting game, like the average that the whole match took, like a best out of three match took for no sting, was seven minutes and eleven seconds. Mm. The average minute for a foam game was 14 minutes and 15 seconds. So you're talking double the time for foam. And then finally, and also the 8.5 Nationals was 9 minute and 26 seconds, which fall, fell right in between. So as you can tell, uh, I feel like this is ammunition a little bit for, um, you know, foam takes a long time. I do not, one of the big things I do not like is the regulation size of WDBF, 30 by 60 is just absurdly big um, for a six-on-six. And especially when you're dealing with balls that even the best of the best cannot control. Like they would sit there, I would sit there and argue the best of the best throwers, accurate-wise, could probably throw a ball where they want to throw it maybe six out of ten times, maybe. I mean, that's a purely opinionated guess, but it just shows that, I mean, you can't control these foam balls, which is, makes it why it's so hard, which makes it why a lot of people who don't start in it don't like it. A lot of, especially 8.5 lovers can't stand foam because you don't know where it's going. You miss the blocks half the time if it comes at you. Um, you know, just something to think about. That. Yeah, it's just something to think about where it's like, uh, I don't know. You know, and I, you know, 
I decided to go with WDBF rules, but I might sit there and do what Kelly does, you know, at the LA Classic, and especially for her, to her to her credit, she doesn't have really the ability to, based off her venues that she's able to get, she doesn't have the ability to go to the thirty sixty uh, court. You know, for me, I was only able to do it because I um, I got I luckily got a venue that had a basically volleyball courts. And that's what the size is, you know, a size of a foam court, the 30 by 60 is a volleyball court. And normally with elite, we play 2550, which is a basketball court. It's a big difference, you know, when you're trying to fit three on a court and different things like that, it's just not a lot of venues can host WDBF, you know, multiple courts for the WDBF sides. Gotcha. So things, yeah, uh, I'm kind of, yeah, kind of rambling there, but. <laughs> no, it's all good because it, it's things that most people, most players don't think about. They just show up, pay their money, play, maybe ref, maybe help take down and go on their merry. So yeah. it's kind of a, a good little um, insight on the stuff you have to look out for. Like, okay, do I want to use these kind of balls? Okay, I do. Do I want to use this kind of standard format? Well, I can't because my venue doesn't allow that and so on and so forth. Um, I'm just looking through your, your list of, of other takeaways. Um, I think... For the most part, you know, just just general lessons that you learn um, having your first uh, tournament. Uh, I did want to go yeah. back though to some of the the teams to look out for. I think we kind of covered some of the players that stood out. You had mentioned that to the was a team to look out for, but you also mentioned uh, Heat, which I guess was formerly so New Heat breed. is yeah Heat is new. Um, I don't even know if they've <laughs> released anything. So Dylan. Uh, Dylan might get mad at me here, but oh no. well. <laughs> might have to <laughs> warn him. <laughs> he's heat. Um, yeah, he. You know, well, you know, you've got him and uh, Isidro. Um, you've got Randy. I don't know the three other players that will be on their team for elite the elite season, but you know, Isidro's a very. He's a very solid player. Got probably some of the best hands that a lot of people don't necessarily know about yet. Or if they do know about, then they're gonna learn. They just—that's a dust. Yeah, they'll learn very quickly. Um, so yeah, Heat. Heat for me is probably the second best team coming out of Arizona right now. You know, you've got Titan, and then you'll have Heat um, out of Arizona. So, you know, based. You know, I think that they might have some players here and there out of LA, but majority based in in Phoenix. Um, so we'll see if they can figure out the 8.5. I mean, the biggest thing is Dylan and Isidro are, are phenomenal foam players and it doesn't always translate over to 8.5. That's, you know, they're solid players, but their game definitely uh, changes when it goes to 8.5 and they're not, no slight to them, but they're, they're still figuring out the game as far as 8.5 goes. Um, but the, the two of the guys, the other interesting thing will be, um, you know, right now they have Glenn Spacer on their team. And he was huge for them this tournament. Um, he did really well, of course. You know, Glenn's one of the top players in the North, and he lives in L.A., but his elite team is Task Force. And I'm not sure how long he'll actually get to play with Tuva because of that interesting elite rule where, um, you know, if you're from a top team in uh, one region and you play in a different region, uh, you cannot play in a top four team. And as soon, I, I'm willing to bet as soon as round one of the West is done, especially with Glenn playing with Tuda, um, I'm willing to bet Tuda will finish in the top four. And I don't think he'll be able to play with them for round two or three. But I don't know that how that rule works, but 
um, he's a huge addition to them regardless. And he brings a lot of discipline and a lot of um, strategery. Uh, uh, I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good good word. But, um, yeah, strategery. Strategic plays to them. Um, you know, so that's good. And then you still have the D- Daniel and Trey who are college baseball players, basically. Um, so, I mean, those are the big things. One of the things that I, I wanted to change, and it still was tough, you know, as much as I loved this tournament, I didn't love the fact that there wasn't as many elite teams there that I wanted, um, so to speak, you know? Like, um, you know, and I called certain people out individually, um, but I was actually really disappointed in whom, <laughs> because they sh- clearly should have just been named Doom. They had a majority of their team there. Uh, you know, they didn't have three of their best five players in Pyan and Ish and Cole, but, you know, just certain things like that where kind of takes away from the tournament, you know, um, not being able to have teams where they're known, you know, and um, it allows you to kind of market, you know, if you're hosting this tournament and you have these top teams playing, you can sit there and you can market and be like, hey, these are the best teams in the country or in the state or whatever, you know, or in the region, you know, and to me, that's a, a great way to market. And I really think that's where dodgeball is headed besides the Team USA unification. You know, one of the, the few biggest things that are come is making dodgeball more professional. You know, speaking of tournaments like this, where I want my tournament to be professional, just like Elite, just like UDC. Um, and then I want to be able to market it. I think we need to be able to market dodgeball. We need to figure out ways to market it and that all comes with t- branding you know and that comes with you know it's part of the reason why doom didn't want to go as doom because they didn't want to necessarily have a, a poor showing and then that reflects poorly on their branding so instead of them doing that they sit there and make a whatever team name they don't play as well because of course you know you don't have the best player in the country and justin pine playing and you're going to play down a little bit and um anyways that's me going off on a little tangent but um, that's something I would like to see for my future tournaments is I don't know how I'll do that. I don't know if it will be like a hard stance, something where it's like you, you're going to play on an elite team or you're not going to play in my tournament. I don't know necessarily. Um, but it's something that I would like to consider. We'll see, um, uh, just because we, to me and my focus as I'm completely focused on the professional side of this. Uh, I've always, I've always been. I, as soon as I started playing dodgeball, I wanted to be a professional. I, I instantly was like, I found the NDL <laughs> in 2011, I think, or 12, and I was like, I need to be there and playing in that because that is awesome. <laughs> and I just picked up a no sting ball for the first time ever. Literally, my first night, I was there, and I ended up talking with uh, James Satanio, who had played for Syndicate. I don't think he necessarily played NDL, but, and I was like, I have to be, I want to do professional. This is the best thing I've ever found. (laughs) And I want to be the best at it. And I want to just, you know, I want to do professional, you know? So that's the focus for the Tribune is we want to do professional tournaments. We want, you know, and we want, you know, you know, going along with our rankings, our team rankings, our player rankings, um, 
you know, there's nothing about Rec in the Tribune for us right now. Um, Rec is a great thing. Recreational dodgeball is the best thing for dodgeball, but it's not my focus, you know, so. Gotcha. I was wondering what that note meant, because the way I took that was you um, you had some, like, team of randos showing up thinking this was going to be a fun event and then lo and behold nah just kidding you're gonna get rolled by teams like doom or whom or punch or whatever um, yeah but but that makes sense and i think um without segueing too much because I, I definitely want to get into this uh during an actual episode of the, of the dodgeball podcast um and just get into all kinds of good weeds and stuff uh, there's a lot that we yeah. can, I can go over that yeah. i want to um but just trying to set the standard that uh, the Tribune is a platform. It's also what's hopefully laying the groundwork for a ranking system, and it's also going to be bringing in, you know, competitive teams. Uh, when I when I saw and heard about the the, the, the tournament, I, I kind of took it as not not necessarily recreational, but also not full on elite. So it'd be like a halfway. So had the opportunity come up, I probably would have hopped on some random team as opposed to, um, you know, who I'm going to elite with. And I think yeah. maybe people had that mentality because if you're not doing elite, everything before that is like, I don't want to say a cross between Sin City and like the classic, but maybe that's, that was the mentality of people. So being able to kind of reiterate, especially for future tournaments and set that standard, like, no, I want the best and only the best. And, and even maybe having the goal to like reject some teams that might help you get there. Um, yeah. The other thing too, um, mm. For sure, for sure that. But the other thing, too, that might help, we'll see. And I don't even know how I'll do it, if I'll do it, when I'll do it. But um, I'd already been thinking about this. And then there was a thread that was a very long thread in the Dodgeball family. Um, and it was one of the last rankings, I think. And I think it ended up being over 600 comments. Oh it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it was absurd, to say the least. But... Um, I'd already been thinking about this, so I do want to give Derek credit, but I only want to give him half credit because I'd already been thinking about this. But Derek Johnson uh, from TC Bush had brought up, why not do a draft tournament where you have foam, no sting, and 8.5? And this would be a great opportunity, you know, because everyone's so upset about some of, well, not so, but, you know, they have their arguments about these rankings. And why not do a tournament like that? And I wanted to be like, Derek, I'm already ahead of you. I've already been thinking of this, but I'll give you credit because you said it first. Um, and so that's something I'll definitely really be figuring out how to do that. How do I get player buy-in on that? Because I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of players that have no desire to do uh, a draft because, of course, they love playing with their players and people that they become friends with and all this stuff. And, and the other thing is draft tournaments are not easy. You know, Draft teams are not easy. I've seen plenty of really good players who uh, kind of get forced into drafting because they're a good player, you know. And usually, you have to have the best players draft, and uh, they haven't done they haven't done well, and they haven't picked well. <laughs> Just because you're a good player doesn't mean you know how to pick a team well. Um, so, but that's something that's definitely going to happen. I've got to figure out how, like I said, how and how do I get the player buy-in, and uh, but that'll be probably the best way to show how good are people at foam and nosting and 8.5, especially away from your given, you know, team that you've grown together with over years. How can you adapt to 
if uh if my if I may throw in my two cents on yes, how to do please. that, I think you just uh, you just do it. I mean, yeah, you just go for it. Yeah, and that, that's one thing that I again this was this is definitely material or content for an actual interview with you, but just just stepping up and doing it is you know gives you a lot of kudos for that because you just people want this. Uh, there's a reason why there's 600 comments on it. Uh, yeah. And you know what? You're not going to roll out with something perfect. Uh, I'm sure, and I, I don't mean to offend you by any means. I, I don't. I'm sure this tournament did not go perfectly. Um, I'm looking yeah. at your takeaways, and you know what? The first tournament out there did not go perfectly. It never does, but you just get better and better and better. And you take that buy-in as you get it, but you have to start with something. And so, saying that the Dodgeball Tribune is going to be the best of the best, you know, you just got to roll with it doing something yeah. with the draft you got to roll with it you might get 10 people that are down the first year have something and then months later you'll get 20 30 40 50 so there's people that want things to happen and then there's people that are just gonna you know buckle up and do it and so as long as do you do it. that i think yep. it'll be fine um but we can definitely cover that uh when we have our our own interview which um i would like to see happen within a couple of weeks um i'm, I'm getting way too <laughs> rise intense right now <laughs> you're like my third <laughs> rise team member so they're gonna be th- people thinking you know, oh yeah love you guys which i do yeah, but i mean yeah. i do want to get some, some equal uh coverage everywhere else um well to be fair i've only been on rise for one year so i played dodgeball for seven years so yeah, so the... that's what I want to get into. Like, I want to talk about <laughs> Rampage and all this other good stuff. So uh, we'll get there. But um, yeah, going is. back to the tournament itself, um, did, was there any like particular match or moment that that just stood out the most that you're just like, wow, that was awesome, or that was something that I hope was recorded, or just something that was just like a, a, a breakout play or, or series of events? Gosh, there was a, a a lot of good plays. I know in the um, well, everyone, of course, everyone was watching in the foam finals between Panch and Bush Breed. Um, and to be fair, I mean, you have some of the best foam players in the country playing in that one game. <laughs> you know, you've got Andrew Ketchum, who probably could have been the MVP for the 2015 USA Gold Team. Mm-hmm. And then you have Eric Stone, who I. Th- could have been the I don't know if he was or could have been the MVP for the 2016 USA team and then Cody Foley was the MVP for the 2017 WDBF so you just have a ton of talent in one game and those guys are making some solid plays solid throws and then you had guys who are still making a name for themselves in the Brodies and and Mike McGee and um, you just had I mean that's just an exciting game. If you don't love that, it's hard. You know, but you know it is hard because it was going slow. But that was one of the the best games. Um, really, you know what game that was pretty exciting, and unfortunately, always it always is against Rise because the TC Bush happened against Rise in the national our team, uh, which was probably one of the most exciting games. And you know, of course, we ended up coming out on the the ending, the losing streak, losing end of it. And then uh, the same uh, game for us, Rise Against Tuda, and that was pretty exciting. It, it went to game three, and Tuda just made a lot more plays than we did. But um, that was to me, that was where Alan Stott and Chris Bell actually really showed up and were able to basically, I think it was a three-on-five. Uh, Chris Bell, uh, Alan, and Serge were able to win a game against... Five two, I think four or five, uh, to bring it to game three. So that was huge, you know. 
um, that game was really exciting. Two that had some awesome plays. Um, Anthony Carmona, he's a he's a new guy from LA, and he's just a a beast catcher and really hard thrower uh, for two. Then he's he's going to turn some heads this year too. So um, nice. I think those were my two favorite games. Unfortunately for for me, being on the losing end of that one. Well, I'm glad you're actually naming names because I'm going to check the Facebook and and take a look at some of these new names that I'm. Yeah, you got to name and, names. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I just got, I'll have a good heads up when I show up to Elite and be like, okay, I know this guy's good, so I'm not going to get lit up by this person. Um, do you have? And I'm probably going to stir the pot here, but do you have like? And this is just based entirely off opinion, so hopefully that qualifies <laughs> it just a little bit. Do you have an MVP for the no sting and an MVP for the foam? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, let's see. It's hard, you know. Um, it's hard when you're playing it because you don't get to see a lot of the games, especially when you're playing deep. Uh, you know, we ended up finishing, Bryce finished third for no sting, fifth for foam. So we're playing pretty deep for both divisions. Um... You know, I'd probably have to go with Eric Stone, maybe, for the MVP for Foam. Eric Stone or Cody? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, you could choose Mike McGee. You could choose Brody. You could choose Ketchum, of course. Um, I I feel like you got to go with maybe someone on the winning team. So, um, yeah. And then maybe for No Sting... Uh, I don't know how you go against Ketchum. I mean, he's really come into his own. Um, he won the MVP of the LA Classic. Um, he he's just really impressed me because he's he's changed his game. I used to play with him, uh, both on Riot and Rampage, and he's just grown. I mean, he's you know just we always knew he had a ton of talent, but he's really been able to be coached more by his teammates. And he's also been able to just be more disciplined and then throw that in with some of the best talent I've ever seen. You know this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just scary how good he's getting because I still don't think Ketchum is at his peak yet. That's a scary As a thought. player. That's it's a very scary ex- thought. extremely scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like I was telling Tim, you know, when um, when Alan hopped on rides, we're like, ah, oh, it's not going to work out. Alan's too wild. But then you see him start to get reined in and disciplined. You're like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> like, yeah. We were yeah. hoping that wouldn't happen. Um, cool. And, and I, again, I just want to, you know, preface that with that there was no ranking, right? You're just giving your opinion based off what limited dodgeball you saw. But just to get an idea, you know, this is yeah. the people that really stood out um, from your perspective. Um, cool. That's all I really got. Um I did want to say thank you to Rolina for live streaming. It's always cool to yeah, know that you, even Seriously. though I'm not going to be there, I can watch dodgeball. And it's funny because I remember watching one clip and then a couple hours passed and it got really late. And I saw another live stream pop up. I was like, is this is this still going? It's like 9 o'clock at night. What, what's going on? And then she's like, heck yeah, it's going. Steve Damon. I was like, oh, okay, well, yikes. <laughs> but it's so cool to be able to like interact in real time with that. And I, I never really get a chance to publicly thank people that are doing that because I'm either in the tournament myself or uh, you know not able to watch so that, that was really cool I don't know if anybody else uh, offered to do that but if they did thank you so much I mean that, that just makes dodgeball events that much better it's like I can at least tune in to find out what's going on I know people are asking for it too They're like hey what's up with the stream can somebody get me please it's really cool yeah so so speaking of shout outs uh, I mean do you have any that you want to throw out right now at least 
that are you know at the top of your top of your head? Yeah, there was a couple in uh, the no sting division. There was a couple people that uh, well, there's one in particular that nobody had really known, and that was Connor Liu, and he's a a WDB uh, a WDS guy, and uh, he doesn't really play elite, but he was he's always been a really top no sting player, and he was playing for whom, and he played really well, showed off why you know home picked him up nice. and as well him as well as ryan haley um ryan haley had a ton of catches in no sting and those balls are some of the hardest balls to catch besides foam and then over in the foam um i wanted to give a shout out to joseph hodge um he kind of surprised me i i i just briefly heard of him through randy hodge randy hodge's brother i don't know if he's older or younger but he was playing really well with the foam balls, I mean, I, I think he plays for Team USA or Team Mexico, anyways. But um, he was a stud. And then um, <laughs> my own teammate, shout out my own teammate, uh, Tim Fullerton, was really surprising people with foam. Nice. Um, and if he ever thinks about doing, putting his name in the hat for Team USA, I know that there's a good chance he, he could be on that team because he's obviously one of the best leaders in dodgeball period. So we'll see if that ends up happening to fruition, but he's got to put his name first. (laughs) I think we kind of planted the seed or at least kind of watered it a little bit. So hopefully he's thinking about a little bit more now. Um, He should be. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, end it there. So there you have it. A quick kind of a recap of the Dodgeball Tribune's first annual tournament and hopefully what will be a small offshoot of the Dodgeball podcast, at least uh, in the current events realm. We're, we're gearing up for the elite season and I definitely want to cover in some way every major event or tournament that comes up between now and then and take just a little bit of a break between some of the heavier more in-depth interviews just because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. A lot of people deserve uh, some shout outs and uh, I, I just, I don't want to lose it. So that being said, if you have thoughts, feedback, comments, etc., you know where to find me. Um, we'll resume next week, however, with Kenny Dodgefather Cox, edits willing. Till then, everyone have a great weekend. <laughs>